thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Good morning. There you go. Vance knows. If I ask you to do it again, you got to be... That's just not hello. That's with everything, I guess. Okay, so... Judd, thank you for those two songs. Um, I can control that, right? I can go back to those. Yeah. Um, I want you to just think about these words for just a moment. You are holy God, a perfect and holy God. We will come before you with hearts made clean by Jesus' blood. My guess, my guess is there's a handful of you, if not the majority of us, that we're guilty of singing lyrics like that and not really thinking about those things, not really being spirit-filled when we sing those things. And then the, 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 the second part of this kind of mashup of songs is we are standing on holy ground Listen to this. And I know that there are angels all around. One of the cool things about our worship in this time is that it connects the physical to the spiritual. And it connects us. If you open up your Bibles to Revelation, when we went through that study together, there is a host of angels and elders sitting around the throne of God and what is their one job? To praise him. Their one job is to praise him. And in these moments with this song and all the songs that we've, we've, been, we've been singing this morning, even though there may or, or may not be angels in our, in our presence this morning, there are angels in the presence of God this morning. And when we sing songs like this, we join their presence. Just think about that for a second. We are standing on holy ground, and I know that there are angels all around. So what's the, what's the result? Let us praise Jesus now. We are standing in his what? We are standing in his what? Presence. I want you to think with me to Luke chapter 8. This doesn't have anything to do with our sermon this morning. It does, but it doesn't. Um, Luke chapter 8, verse 40. Oh, we can, we, you, you can go down to verse 42. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind Jesus, or him, and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, the master, well, they all denied it. Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out of me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people. 
She told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. This morning, I, um, Riley Raper had to go to South Carolina. He had to go to Huntsville this morning to fly out, and I drove him there and came back. Um, and I, I was listening to some podcasts and different things and uh, on my way back. And this verse was read, not necessarily in this context, but this passage was read in one of the podcasts I was listening to. And it just hit me, especially coming into this morning, that how often are we like the disciples in this, in this passage? What, what, what I heard this morning, when I heard it, and I, I want you to think about it, is that Jesus knew somebody had what? Touched him. And he looks, at, he looks at his closest group of friends right there around him. Of course, people were all around him just crushing him. And, uh, just all, and I imagine that they're close enough to kind of be some of those people that are probably rubbing up against Jesus. And he said, hey, who touched me? And he goes, there's just tons of people around you, Jesus. And what I heard when that was read this morning was sometimes if we're not careful, we get so used to touching Jesus that we forget how powerful he is. That we're so just accustomed to coming to church and we've created this church environment to where there's a song and a prayer and a song and this and a song and this. And then we gather around this table for the Lord's Supper. And we are spiritually connected to one another, to all the other Christians in the world. We're spiritually connected back to the moment where Jesus said, Take this and do this in remembrance of me. We are spiritually connected to his death on the cross. It's, it's in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, there was the holy place and then the what, where the Ark of the Covenant said. What was it called? The what? The, where, where the Ark was in the temple? The holy of? The holy of holies. The most holy place. And how many people could go into the most holy place? One. And how often could he do it? Once a year. And if you didn't do it right, the presence of God would strike you dead. We are in the presence of God this morning. The curtain has been torn down. We are doing something under the new covenant of Christ that the Israelites never could do. And that's being the presence of God. And then we get to do it with each other. And I would imagine that a lot of you, when you came in this morning, you were thinking about a lot of things. You were worried about a lot of things. You were concerned about a lot of things. I would imagine a lot of you probably spent a lot of time digging through the communion bucket, trying to find the good communion instead of the bad communion. Any of you guilty of that this morning? And you're more worried about how easy it is to get the lid off of it than you are worried about being in the presence of God. I want us to be like the woman that says, I just want to touch you because I want your power, not mine. Nothing I do works, only you, and not like the disciples who are so used to being with God that it had just become normal. I don't want us to be concerned about how long worship is. 
I don't want us to be concerned about all the insignificant things. I want us to be concerned about God. That's why we're here today. And hopefully as we spend more time together, hopefully you'll be more convicted of that. Let's pray together as we get started. God, I thank you for the chance to just be in your presence this morning, to, to fellowship with my brothers and my sisters through song, through prayer, through scripture, through the Lord's Supper, through, through this teaching moment that we're going to have, God. Thank you for being with us today. Help us to feel your presence. Help us to allow your spirit to move within us and convict us this morning. Help us listen to the words of Jesus as we study from the book of Mark today, God. Thank you so much for being the awesome God that you are and help us to realize that every day. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. Okay, he said what? You ever said that? What'd you say? We were, um, I'm a pretty loud person, right Blair? I'm a pretty loud person. Blair tells me all the time, I'm right here. I'm right here. Anybody else got that problem? I'm right here. Um, but bless her heart, she's had an ear infection the last week or so. And I can't tell you how many times she's looked at me and said, what'd you say? Like she couldn't hear, and like I've had to get like louder. And when she gets to feeling better, I'm gonna have to really tone it down. Is that better? Can you see me right there? I, when I get down on the floor, all the people in the balcony, they do this number around the rail. I'm sorry. Um, but there's times that we, 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 we are listening to Jesus, and, and he's, he's talking to us, and, and he says something, and we kind of have what I'm going to call a what, he said what moment? Like, did Jesus really ask me to do that? And that's really what this series is going to be about, things that Jesus said, I want you to do this. And, and when someone tells you to do something, um, a lot of times you may say, well, that's not what I want to do, or, or I'll do it when I get finished with this, and... Um, I want us to just look at the words of Jesus and not just look at them. I want us to listen to them. And even beyond that, I want us to obey them. My, he said what moment, the thing that got me thinking about this was this is the people's house in Bucharest, Romania. Not the greatest picture in the world, but a picture that I took standing in the middle of the street. And how many of y'all think there are bad drivers in Haleyville? Okay. Go to a different country and it will scare you to death. So I'm in the middle of the street here. I'm kind of like on the lamppost side, but kind of, you know, kind of in the middle of the road here. And I'm taking this picture. <clears throat> we, we had been to eat that night. We'd been, we're, we were there for a mission trip. We've been to eat that night. And some of you heard me have heard me tell this story. But um, we get through eating at this restaurant, and we miss the subway. Miss the subway to get back to our apartment. 
And, and I took this picture in this moment um, that we were missing the subway. And as we were standing there trying to figure out what in the world we were going to do, I had an idea. This was Matthew's idea. I had in my wallet a piece of paper that had the address of our apartment on it. So what was Matthew's thought? Let's hail a taxi and go. Now, he may take us two hours to get there and cost us $100, but he's going to get us there eventually, right? Ray Franks, who was one of our deacons, was there with us, and he goes, hey, you know what? At every stop, there's a map in this subway, we can just go from stop to stop till we get back. And we're in a city the size of Chicago, okay? The size of Chicago that's foreign. Like, we have no idea what anything is. And Ray goes, that sounds like a better idea. And I'm like, he said, what? And this is what he said. He said, follow me and trust me. Follow me and trust me. During the following and trusting, I snapped this picture walking across the street, and I, and I always think of it. So the end of the story is we get, it took us an hour and a half to get to where we were finally like, let's get a cab. And we got in the cab, and we pointed at the address, and the cab driver laughed at us and went, okay around the block and let us out at the front of the building. We were standing right behind. We had made it. We just didn't know we had made it. But there was this feeling when Ray looked at us and said, follow me, that I was very unsure about. Very unsure about because I was in a completely unknown environment. I was in a completely, like, I was completely useless to anybody if something had happened. If we had died, no one would have ever known. You know, they'd, they'd never know where we are. I mean, like, it was, it was just, I was, I was nervous about this situation. But I looked at him and I said, okay, I'm going to trust you that you can do something better than I can. And that's what he did. He got us to where we needed to go. So, We're trying something new here. We're trying to get there. Um, Jesus is walking around one day, and he looks at a group of guys, and he says, well, let's just start. This is our, our Mark chapter 1, starting verse 16. As Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. What does he say? Come what? Come follow me. Come follow me. He said, and I will send you out to fish for people. We'll get to this here in just a second. But I want you to think about that word follow for just a moment. What does it mean to follow? I put that on Facebook the other day, and a lot of people gave a lot of answers, uh, a lot of good answers. I encourage you to go look at that uh, instead of going through them today. But the word follow, this particular word follow, literally means behind or after. Okay, so Jesus looks at him and says, hey, I want you to follow. I want you to get behind me, and where I go, I want you to go. What I do, I want you to stand behind me and watch me do these things. What I say, I want you to stand behind me, and I want you to listen to these things that I'm saying. And as I was thinking about this week, that this week I wrote these questions down. What is Jesus calling them to do? What is Jesus calling them to do? And in essence, what's he calling me to do? Was he looking at these group of guys and just say, hey, come hang out with me? Let's go, let, let, let's, let's just, you know, we're, we're fixing to do some really cool things, some really fun things. Just, let's just go hang out. He says, no, no, no. I want you to stand behind me 
and watch what I'm doing. Follow me. Pay attention to me and, and, and do what I do. And when you really think about it, Jonathan and I were talking about it this week. And we were kind of going back and forth Thursday trying to figure out the best, the best word for this. But through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who is the main character? Who's the main character? Jesus. But in the grand scheme of things, how important are the 12 apostles? Very important, right? I mean, very, very important. They took the mission of Jesus, and they kept running with it. Jesus handed the ball off to these 12 guys, and he says, run, go do your thing. Do what you're following me. And, but when you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, <coughs> are these 12 guys, are they in the forefront? Are they the main characters? Or are they more like the supporting cast? Like they're there. They're present, they're doing important things, but they're not the most important. And that's something we have to understand when we begin to follow Jesus, is that when we follow Jesus, we can't be the most important, can we? When we follow Jesus, it's not about my agenda, it's not about what I want, not about what I wanna do, it's about making Jesus the most important. And so because of that, this brings us to our first point, Following Jesus is a very, very personal decision. It's a very personal decision. Let's see if I can figure out where I am here. Mark chapter 8. Is the Mark 8.34 passage on there? If it is, go to that one. So following is a very personal decision. One of the things that... Um, I very much believe, and I know that it's hard for us to understand sometimes, is Christianity is a voluntary thing. Christianity is a voluntary thing. I cannot make you do anything. Agreed? I cannot make you do anything. My job as your minister is to motivate you. To motivate you. I can't make you. Jesus even said, I'm not going to make you. I want you to choose me. It's voluntary. You can choose not to. That is your choice. You can choose to be here an hour a week and nothing else. You can choose to be so involved that if this place shut down, you'd be lost. Or if you left, it would be lost. You, it's, it's up to you. But what does Jesus say? Then he, called, then he called the crowds to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must what? Deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So the reason this is a personal decision is because it's got a cost. So it's it's a big decision. Am I really going to follow Jesus? It means taking my purpose and setting it aside, taking my wants and setting it aside, taking my desires, my loves, my interests, and setting them aside and saying, Jesus, it's all about you. I'm giving it up to you. It means, it means that I take up the lifestyle of Jesus. I take up the lifestyle of Jesus. Take up your cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me or for the gospel will save it. So 
What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? We're still going to stay right here with following as a very personal decision for just a moment. The the, the second part of our passage that we read, the, the come follow me, he says, come follow me. And what? That NIV said, I will send you to be fishermen of people. Um, my, my translate, my NIV in several years says, I will make you fishermen of men, right? I will make you fishermen of men. And as I've studied this week, I've loved that word, make. I will make you. Another word there that that can be translated is construct. I can construct you to be fishermen of men. Um, and, and I like construct better because there's this idea of an effort. Okay, on my part and even on, on God's part. Think about how stubborn we are. Think about how stubborn we are. Um, Jesus created, or Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, they created the entire universe in how many days? Six. And I am a lifelong project. I am more stubborn than creation itself. And so are you. And he says, if you'll follow me, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you from where you are and I'm going to build you piece by piece into something bigger, into something better. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Neil, go to that 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 9 through 11. And, and, and you know this is one of my favorite verses. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexual immoral, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor men and women, or, or men who have sex with women, men who have sex. That's what it says right there. Nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And you know what we do? We go, that's right. Preach it, right? That is so true. And and everybody else needs to know that. And that's what some of you were. That's the part of the verse that strikes, isn't it? This is the judgmental, yeah, you better get right with God. This is the, oh no, he's talking to me. But you were what? Washed. You were, you were, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. You know what this verse all in all says? I'm building you. I'm taking what you were. You've made this personal decision. Now allow me to build you and take you from what you were to what I need you and want you to be. And because of that, because of that, Following is a journey. Following is a journey. The Peter that we find in the boat or at the calling of Jesus, calling by Jesus, that we read about through the Gospels is not the Peter that we find in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, he gets up in front of thousands and thousands and thousands of people, along with all the other apostles, and proclaims the gospel for the very first time. And and, and he, he utters through the Holy Spirit those profound words of salvation, of how to be saved for the very first time. And he, his message pricks everybody to the heart. But that's not the Peter that we read about in the beginning of the gospel. And through the gospel, we read of a Peter that in some moments are like, hey, I'm going to die with you. And if someone comes to kill you, they've got to get through me first. 
And then they're on the Mount of Olives. They're up there. They've had their prayer moment with Jesus. And here comes Judas and the mob. And what does Peter do? He jumps in front of Jesus and goes, what? Cuts a man's ear off. You ever seen a man's ear get cut off? I've not. But I imagine it's a pretty traumatic moment. And tensions were already pretty high to begin with, right? And I'm sure it didn't do anything to help tension whatsoever. And a few hours later, what did Peter do? I don't know this guy. How many of you have that roller coaster in your walk with God? See, it's a journey. It's a journey. There was even a time, we're not going to look at it because of time, but in John chapter 6, there's moments. There's a moment where people were like, what did Jesus say? Can you believe he's calling us to do this? He even has a conversation with his apostles. And he goes, you still with me? You still want to do this? Do you still want to follow me? So there had to be some, some question in their heart of, it, it, for Jesus to look at them and say it, and he knew their heart. I would imagine there had to be a little bit of question of, of, of is this really what we need to be doing? It's a journey. It's not always going to be great. Our, jo- our journey is going to be full of spiritual highs, spiritual lows, amazing victories, heart-wrenching defeats. We will laugh and we will cry together. We will rejoice and feel pain. There will be moments that we want to give up and walk away, and then there will be moments that are like, this is the greatest life that I could have ever chosen. That I could have ever chosen. But it's a journey. It's a journey. A journey full of growth. And it's important that we do and live that journey together. Jonathan talked about that. Was it last week that you preached? Yeah, last week that he preached. The importance of doing things together. Here's the last idea. Following comes with reward. Following comes with reward. Let's just listen, okay? Just listen to some things with me. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Then 2 Peter 3, verses 10 through 13, but the Lord, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done on it will be laid bare since everything will be destroyed in this way. What kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God. And speed it's coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in heat. But we, but I love this, but in keeping with With what? His promise. Powerful words. We're looking forward to the new heaven and new earth where the righteous dwell. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has so many rooms. If there were not so, I would have told you that I, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will 
come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. Revelation chapter 21, verses three through four. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. We all follow for different reasons. We all follow for different reasons. There is, if, if, you, follow, if you study church growth and, and different things, what you'll see is there's a generational divide in this idea and theology of following. If you're around the age of 55 to 60, kind of that's the dividing line and above. You were raised in a country and in a culture of great respect for authority. Great respect for authority. To not question authority. Authority is good. Authority is important. And when my boss or when my teacher or when someone in authority comes and tells me to do something, I don't question that authority. I just do what they ask. And that translated into a theological thought of, I have to do what God tells me to do, okay? God is my authority. I have to do it, and I'm going to do it. He says, do it this way, do it this way, do it this way. I'm going to do it this way, this way, and this way because of my understanding and respect for authority. Now, if you take a step back and look at the generation below from about 50 down, okay? So there's a completely different idea in your theology thought of, following God. Our, our generation, whether it should be or not, I'm not saying it's a good thing, I'm not saying a bad thing, I'm just saying it is what it is. Our view of authority is a lot different. It's a lot different. Our nation's view of authority changed in one particular moment in history, and it was the moment of Watergate. We could always trust our government to do what is best and to be above reproach, and then all of a sudden in that instant, what happened? That trust was broken. Presidents now have scandals. Congressmen now have scandals. That view of, of trust your authority for a certain generation and down is not what it was for that generation and above. And that has created their own theological view of, of following Jesus to question this, why and what's in it for me? And the generation above looks at that question and goes, you can't ask Jesus what's in it for you because it's not about you. And the other generation goes, oh, no, I'm not going to do it unless I, but I'm going to tell you this. This is my thoughts. Jesus says, come follow me. Just come follow me. And let me turn you into what I need to turn you into. If you want to follow me because I've got to do it, I've got to do it because you're God and you're the greatest authority, I've got to do it, then follow me. If you want to follow me and while you're following me, go, hey, I've got to ask you some questions, God. I need to know, I need to know about this and this and I'm not sure about this. He says, just follow me. Don't worry about why Jonathan's following. Don't worry about why Gary's following. You just follow. And as you follow, understand something. Understand. 
there is a great reward for us. There is a great reward for us. And it's worth the journey. It's worth the journey. God has promised us things and told us things. He said, there's gonna come a time that no matter how hard it is here, no matter how difficult it is here, I'm gonna save you. And if you're faithful to me, I'm gonna reward you. But that only comes when we first decide to what? Follow Jesus. This past week, I was having a conversation with my counselor. Don't let that freak you out. I have a counselor. If you had to deal with this many people on a weekly basis, you'd have a counselor too. I only talk about y'all in a nice way, okay? I promise. But she um, she does uh, equine therapy, horse therapy. And, and she's always, she said, everything you need to learn about a relationship, you can see lived out in a field full of horses. And when she first told me that, I'm like, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. The more she talks about it, the more obvious it's become. Um, she was telling me, though, Friday, that there is a tall tale sign of figuring out which horse is the alpha horse in a field of other horses. I don't know what you call a group of horses. Um, and she said, it's the horse that's able to move people, move other horses around with just their energy. It's the horse that's able to move another horse's feet with just their energy. And we were talking about some, some other dynamics in, in, in some of my family relationships. And she said, my question is, she said, do you allow other people to have the energy to move your feet? And of course, she's talking about a therapeutic thing. And man, it hit me like a ton of bricks. That'll preach right there. My question to you this morning is this. Are you willing to truly allow the Spirit of God to move your feet? To push you in the direction that you need to go? To say it's, it's about you. And, and this is what we're guilty of. We're guilty of this. God comes in the room and we want to be the alpha. We want to push God where we want to go. God, I'll follow you, but I'm going to follow you while we're going this way. Following Jesus means this. Your spirit pushes me. Your spirit leads me. Your spirit guides me. And I don't push back. I just follow. And I allow you to build me into what you need to build me in. Now, what does that have to do with what we first talked about this morning? We never get to that point until we truly understand how holy and awesome and pure and majestic that God is. That's why there's passages like, I'm the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end. Okay, that, that's why those passages are there. That's why Psalms is so important because David just lays out in such beautiful terms of how awesome God is. But when you get it, when you get it, then you'll be willing to follow Jesus wherever he sends you. Let's go to God in prayer. God, I thank you so much for our time together this morning. I thank you for the chance of just being in your presence. Help us, God, help us to understand how awesome 
spiritual and powerful of a moment that this truly is. And that it doesn't stop right here. That your spirit dwells within us every day as your children. And help us to understand that we are on holy ground everywhere we go because we're in your presence. God, I thank you for just being awesome. And I pray that we're willing to follow you and do whatever it takes to be dedicated disciples to you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community. Yeah.